Hey everybody and welcome back. This is the second of our two-part episode on Christianity International, which at times we are actually talking about international Christianity. And for most of it, we're talking about other stuff too, because that's just how we roll. Uh, joining me again are Travis and Don, who, man, God, I haven't seen you in forever. It's been, what, 15, 20 seconds since we last talked? I know. Time flies when you're uh, recording things and having fun. Oh, thank God for video editing. That's yep. the, joy, the joys of this is we can get two full episodes out here in one Zoom call. God, I love it. Um, so we were talking, we're going to roll it forward from here. We were talking about, we had just gotten back to, to international Christianity. We were talking about those those down moments and those up moments and where the divine can be experienced, particularly in those down moments. And the reason I decided it was good for us to break where we did is because I was, I guess you could say I was hit by the spirit with the perfect question to ask. And I wanted to save that to kick off our, our second half discussion. We talk a lot about God being present in those down moments, God being present in those places where you don't expect God to be. And in my years of working with Christians in Japan, my biggest and often most ex surprising experience was meeting with people who had no conception of, of what Christianity is, who had no conception even of what religion was, but who could perfectly eludicate moments of encountering the divine in those moments of doubt encountering God in, in their lives without a clue of what it was they were actually talking about. And people who went from those moments to develop themselves in ways that were, for many of them, more Christian than any Christian I know. Um, so I, I joke about this. Some of, the, some of the best Christians I've ever met have never once encountered Jesus. And that was one of the things I took away from my, my time ministering here in Japan. Uh, I'm sure you guys have had experiences with people like that. What are, what are your feelings on that sort of uh, thing? Well, don't all answer at once. Dom, you got one? Uh, I'll follow you. All right. Well, I actually do have one because I, uh, I married one. Yeah. Um, so my wife, after... Uh, kicking around for a while, uh, went to Minnesota and taught Japanese at a high school there for about three years until the program had some issues with renewing her visa and she was unable to continue. And she wound up getting shipped back to Japan. And then as part of reinventing herself after that, um, took jobs teaching English part-time and there's where she met me and I said well hang on a minute we're teaching at a, a Christian elementary school and I'm like so how are you a Christian she says well no but I was exposed to bits and pieces here and there and I grew up like I learned piano at a church and so I'm familiar with all the hymns and this and that and I met a lot of Christians when I was in the U.S. obviously 
what really drew me to her is working with her and watching her. Her conduct was just as Christian as anybody else that I'd ever met. And it really made me wonder, you know, what is it that makes a person a Christian? Is it the talk or is it the walk? And it was one day talking with some friends afterwards from Covey Union and flipping through and I hit upon, there's a verse in, I want to say it's in Romans. It says, for no man shall be without excuse. All shall know God and no man shall be without excuse. And that kind of hit me as saying, well, you know what? Even people who don't know the word or the Bible or the gospel will still connect with the divine and connect with God and understand through those moments and through times when they're broken and push on our heel. And so they will all have the opportunity to experience God, whether they know it as God or not. Yeah, I uh, gotta love when you, when you have those encounters with it in your own life. Um, one thing that resonated with me, both, both in your story and my own encounters with this as well, and resonated me enough to actually take out my phone and look up the Bible verse, because God knows, again, I can't quote these things from memory to save my life. Um, out of Galatians 5, um, and, and I'm sure, Dom, I know you've heard this, because one I know has popped up at KUC a few times uh, of late. But the, for, for those who, who haven't encountered it lately, I'm going to read uh, chapter 5 from Galatians, verses 22 and 23. Um, and those, it says there, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It seems for, at first glance, like that might not be related. But the more I, I, I think about that, the more I listen to it, I'm like, wait a minute. Let's think back to that list for a second. The fruits of the Spirit, the signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit in a person. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I didn't hear a statement of faith in there anywhere. Uh, or tithing or church membership. Nope. Uh, I, I didn't hear a single mention of a public declaration of the salvific work of Jesus Christ. Those weren't listed under the fruits of the Spirit. And I think a reason for that is, is that having faith in Christ is good for a lot of things. I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't think it was. But it is not a prerequisite for the Spirit of God to be active and working in a person. And I think what we're seeing here are examples of exactly that is the spirit being at work long before the conscious self can even conceive of who or what Jesus is. And maybe I'm just a weirdo. And I use that word maybe in a very loose sense because I most definitely am a weirdo. Um, but I think there is an almost absurd beauty to seeing the spirit at work outside of our preconceptions, outside of our expectations, outside of the, the boxes that we, the faithful, tend to put the spirit in. And I think it is one, it's one of the things I love about being a Christian, just being a Christian outside of the bounds of, 
of a heavily Christian nation like America, the, the opportunities to see God at work outside of the boxes that we grew up in. Um, what do you guys think about that? It's one of the most you know, beautiful mysteries that our human mind can, can perceive. Like it's, it's one of those like uh, God, God things, God incidents that he created that like as much as we want to understand, we couldn't, but we are just in awe of how he, he's doing and how we're in awe. Like because sometimes we have questions and then we we can't find the answers to those questions. And then like after like what five, six years or like even after a whole lifetime, then God's just gonna answer that and then oh now that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's wonderful. Now, I don't have that kind of experience, to be, to be honest, but as you were saying, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm. you know, uh, self-control, I would say that I don't, I don't think I am good at most of those things most of the time. I, <laughs> I definitely don't, I definitely fail at most of those things, but uh, what, what, when I look at it, like when you ask this question about like a non, like non-Christians, basically that are usually are better, you know, they can, they, they basically are Christians how they are conducting, right? Mm-hmm. And now that looking at me as a Christian, like, oh, I am a Christian, like, why am I not like that? And that's one of the most, one of the most amazing things that sometimes I see, I see that God is challenging me because we, like, God is, you know. Uh, helping us to transition into the best version of ourselves like we it's a long ass process but it's it's a process and we're moving forward with it. and sometimes when i see those those people like when sometimes i see people that are hard to you know hard to deal with and when sometimes we we see people that oh like that's not how it's supposed to be and then we're put in a in a situation that we didn't even think we would be because of those people and then those situations are the ones that I think oh, God is giving us some like, oh, it's a nudge, nudge that, oh, maybe you need to work on that. Maybe, oh, it's a fruit that you need some working on and some massaging on so that it will be, it will become a better Christian. And that with, with from that point moving forward, you'll be able to do more works than more talks. Mm. And because as, as what you guys, as what Pastor Don said earlier, when you say one thing, you need to do two things. And that's, that's a very good mantra moving forward because yeah, the more, like I just actually uh, going back to evangelism earlier. Like when I was first getting like deep into evangelism, yeah, like studying evangelism because that's one of the uh, spiritual discipline that I feel like I lack a lot of because I've always felt like oh you need to you need to like get this to be that you need X to get Y and stuff like that. The side effect of that quota system from yeah <laughs> yeah earlier. yeah, and that's one of the things that. Uh, Actually, one uh, a brother from KUC like told me about it that oh evangelism is not just the process of saying that oh this is Jesus this is what you need to do to be saved like what you need to do to evangelize is like showing God through your actions like being able to do things that will show them love and that do things that will show them oh this person is different I wonder why and then that's that's, that's just open up that just opens up a lot more opportunities for you to share the word and share the love. And that opens mm. up like, that's a, it's another, mm. it's a ca- can of candies, mm. kind of, opposed to a can of worms that's being opened. Yeah. 
But I mean, that's um, it ties back to what we were talking about before with people going out after church, trying to convert, you know, to unsaved souls before supper time. Like, can you imagine how different things would be if people said, okay, I'm going to go out and show love and kindness to two people that I don't even know today before supper time. If they said that instead of, oh, I'm going to go, you know, talk to two people about Jesus. Like, if I'm going to go out and just be a good person to two random strangers. Do you think we would get thrown out of a church if we went in and suggested that idea? Because I feel like we might. Some churches. Um, you know, something I want to I bring up here a minute, and this is something that's been kind of knocking around my brain as you guys have been talking here a little bit. Um, about, you know, we, we, look, we look at how we, how we take these ideas and how we use them in our approach to others. But I also want to take a minute and, and highlight how we use these ideas as we approach ourselves too. Because um, if you're anything like me, um, we talk about the quota system, sure, that's the most obvious uh, way of, of kind of getting down on yourself, like, man, I'm not saving enough souls, man, I'm not doing enough. Uh, but it can be a little more insidious than that. Um, we're talking through all this stuff, and, and since, I, since I'm hitting it so well with metaphors on this recording, I'm gonna give another swing at it, see if I manage to get three for three here. Um, I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit of story. About a couple months back, uh, I found this really cool international grocery. Um, and, and I found it and I went there, I had a couple of that extra thousand yen and I bought a handful of cool stuff and I brought them home and everything I brought home was a hit. Like the kids loved it, my wife loved it, I loved it obviously because I'm the one who bought it. And just everything I brought home was a hit. I didn't really give much thought to it. I just kind of went in, I had some extra cash to burn and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna grab some things cool. I'm gonna follow where my heart is and I'm gonna do what I think is good. About two weeks later, we got a request from, from uh, one of Akiko's congregants there uh, with a list of stuff he wanted from, this, from the international grocery. And she said, hey, you know where the thing is. You've been there once. Why did you go out and pick them up for me? And so I did and I grabbed the list and I go out there and I'm going down the list, I'm like, oh, that's not here. And I'm like, ah, yeah, just getting more and more grumpy as I'm going through the list. I can't find any of the things on the list. And at the end, I'm just like, this trip was a disaster. I am terrible at shopping. Two different trips to the same place, two totally different results. And then it occurs to me, this is exactly how I feel when I'm reading Galatians 5. Like I'm going, all right, fruits of the spirit. All right, I got this. Love and joy. No, son of a p. Oh God, I'm terrible at that one. Patience, really? Kindness. Who the hell does that? General. I got faithfulness. Lord, you're pushing me. You know, by the time I get to the end of the list, I'm like, I ain't got none of these things. What gives? But when you're not looking at the list, you go out into the world and you're like, hey, right, I got people. I'm gonna care for people. And I'm not going to worry about it. And I'm going to spread love. And I'm going to be the kind of Christian that I believe that God wants me to be. And, you know, eight and a half, 8.75 times out of 10, you come back at the end of the day, you're like, it was a good trip. I got everything I was going for. And I'm happy with my shopping trip. And they had feta cheese, which is great. 
which sadly is the one thing the Holy Spirit does not deliver me enough of is good solid feta, which, you know, I, I really wish the spirit would, would, you know, I got enough fruit, I could use some more cheese. Thank you very much. <laughs> is that idea? Are you get a good metaphor that time? Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's not a shopping list. You don't have to get all of them. Be satisfied if you manage to get at least one because they're not meant to be easy things. Right, and we beat ourselves up over this stuff all the time. You know, we are we doing enough? It's you know, talk, talk about cultural tainting. It's that capitalist mentality that America has been pumping out into the world. The always, the always be closing, the, the ABC mentality of, of the Christian faith. You know, always always be, be Christing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I'll take it, Mr. Baldwin. Well, I mean, we'll go on further, though. Think of it as our generation. I mean, Don, you and I, we probably got micromanaged all to hell and back when we were children. So we didn't really have time for anything that wasn't the most efficient and most productive way to spend our days. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us now, um, and I see this in my colleagues and in myself, we feel guilty about when we're not being productive, when we're not showing love and kindness and peace and all of that. It's like why am I not being, why am I not doing these things? Am I not good enough? Am I doing something wrong? There's something wrong with me. And that's why millennial burnout is now a thing. Yeah, and not just because we're all so hot. (laughs) No, um, yeah, there's the capitalist piece to it too that I I always drive home the belief that if the, and we get this in American culture, the belief that anything you want to do needs to be of a sufficient quality to be monetized in order for it to be worthwhile. An extension of the everything you have to do must be productive mindset. You can't do something idly and just for yourself. um, We import this into our faith, like Prayer is fine, but if you pray in church, you're, you're better because you're showing other people the way. Sure, you can be a musician, but if you're a church musician, you're better. You love to read? Great. Get up in front of the pulpit and read some scripture. We, we tend to roll forward this idea that if you're going to do it, do it for God, comma, that means doing it publicly and demonstrably in a way that immediately affects other people. But you know, not to go completely against my own character and start poo-pooing on doing things for other people, because no, I'm not actually saying that. Let me clarify that. It is easy for us to miss the divine importance of our own personal encounters with God when we're doing this too. Um, My, uh, I'll tell you a personal story, my best deepest encounters with God were probably in a period of time where I was in high school and early college. Uh, when I would go back to my parents' home when I was escaping from Hope College. Uh, and my parents at the time, they were janitors for our local church. Um, you got to do something to pay the bills, right? And the side effect advantage to that was they had keys to everything. And what that meant is that, you know, I, being a typical college kid, I would get home and I would stay up till, you know, 5, 5.30 in the morning because you know, I'm in college. Nights don't exist to me. You know, we, we just basically don't sleep at that point. So what the hell, why not? Uh, so I'd get bored during the night and you know, the TV channels would stop showing anything of interest and I'd play all my games. So I would snag my parents' keys, throw on my cloak because yes, I had a cloak, I was a weirdo. 
Uh, and I would go out the door and I'd walk the two, three blocks to church because in addition to having a cloak and being a weirdo, I was also a white guy and could safely walk alone at night. Um, and I would go into the church, um, which again, conversations about the privilege of a guy in a cloak entering the church in the middle of the night unquestioned. Uh, but I'd go in there and I would have hours of direct time in the front of the sanctuary with the grand piano, just me and Jesus. And I learned more about what it means to be Christian in those times, I think, than in any other time up to and including seminary. And I think it is so easy for us, particularly when we're in these international contexts where we're trying to help people, we want to connect with people, we want to build community and we, we have that for good or for ill impetus behind us to spread the word. It's really easy for us to forget that, you know, we have to have a relationship with God too. Damn it, you got me preaching again. No, it's all part of the plan. Occupational hazards. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we're going to do an episode of this and we're just going to have Akiko come up and duct tape your mouth shut at the start of the episode after you do the intros and then it'll all just be the guests doing the, the talking and the sermonizing. No, I think what we have to do is have one episode where I do the intro, then switch hosting duties to one of you guys, and you just keep putting me on mute for the whole thing. Like, oh, he's doing it again. Then I'll just spend the whole episode. It's <laughs> like, no, that's not what that verse means. You're doing it wrong, Travis. If you are exegeting improperly, I will get you. <laughs> No, but it, yeah, it's a totally valid point. I mean, we have a, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say we have a, an obligation to ourselves to remember that, you know, we can't say everyone is a child of God and is worthy of love and respect without including ourselves in the set of everyone. Mm -hmm. And if we want to have those fruits of the spirit and show love and kindness to others, we also need to show those things to ourselves. And that means forgiving those times when we fall short, among other things. I'm going to roll this back to the, the question of international Christianity. I'm going to ask what may seem like a weird question, but I promise connects. Uh, Travis, I know you've already kind of backhandedly answered this one earlier, but have you guys ever been to a traditional Japanese Christian church? Yes. Now, what was your takeaway from that experience? Uh, what did you find that was different there? Because I've, I've got my own commentary to say on it, obviously. But I want to hear, what did, what did you guys take away from that experience? Well, I was coming to it not having, this was actually, I think, before I had been to Kobe Union and before or after, like, closer to having come out of American churches and just getting there and feeling like, everybody here is so sincere what the hell is going on everybody here is so incredibly sincere and genuine in their faith what it just blew my mind it is as someone once described to me the difference between believing and knowing You know, we, those of us who grew up swimming in that water, we don't treat it like belief anymore because it's just been a fact of our existence since the beginning. 
you know, yeah, of course Jesus is God. Like, have I ever known anything different? But when you encounter people who believe, there's an authenticity there that doesn't come with knowledge. It's not to say one is any more right or wrong than the other. I, I don't necessarily think it's a matter of belief versus knowing or believing versus, or I think there is something to be said about having been swimming in the water your whole life. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the, the intensity with which the water comes upon you. Mm. It's like not so much swimming in the water as walking through a steady, gentle rain versus people for whom there was this moment of like a typhoon coming and a moment of conversion saying, oh, right? And for me, um, when I did my catechism, I remember actually, I probably, I don't remember if it was the week before, or if it was even just a couple of days before confirmation, going to the pastor and saying, look, I don't know if I really believe. And pastor said, well, that's why they call it a leap of faith. It's not something that you just know intuitively. It's something that you have to choose. You have to choose to believe these things. And there is an intellectual component to it as well, but it's that approach of whether the spirit is in you as this gentle rain or whether it's in you as a torrential downpour. And it was the first time that I had really been exposed to that downpour for people who were experiencing Christ, experiencing their faith as not just as sort of background noise, but as a more measurable chorus. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's really, you feel so much more appreciation of, of stuff and of things when you see something like that. It's like being able to uh, live in this, in your own like bubble, as what you said earlier, it's like, mm -hmm having that water like swimming in the water for a long time basically swimming in the water in your whole life and then you're just you know you're just oh this is water oh this is god yeah jesus is god and then you get to meet someone who's been parched their entire life and then they've been able to drink just like a 500 milliliter bottle of that water and then they'll be like they've been uh, treasuring that water for ever like ever since th that point that they came upon that water and then looking back to yourself like oh i've had this ever since i've had and then I've, i haven't been able to appreciate the water that i've been swimming in and then yeah. this this person is just like having this just a little little a little bottle of water in them and they've been treasuring it their entire like from from the moment they found that and it's just something that yeah oh wow it's just something that makes me appreciate it a lot more and that's that's something like it's definitely like what uh, pastor don said earlier it's you need to build a relationship because like i've been in a church where i mean i've been in a church where it's it's a very small church but you've been worshiping like it, that's when i knew what uh that's when i realized that oh this is worship compared to oh worship and this mm -hmm. is worship and that's that's one of the main points in my it's one of the main turn 
turning points in my in my Christian journey as well that oh like quality is always and it will always be over quantity for me. I want to I want to take your earlier metaphor and I'm going to kind of turn it on its head a little bit and give us a, another thing to think about. I hope um, you know you talked about the, the person crawling through the desert in search of water. Now I want you to take that person who's been crawling in the desert in search of water, and I want you to just in your mind teleport them out of that and put them in a room, and in that same room with them. I want you to take, let's say, a three-year-old. I'm not thinking any specific three-year-old. I'm certainly not thinking of my specific three-year-old who does this all the time, but a three-year-old who say hasn't had a glass of water in, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes, uh, preferably sometime around bedtime, and put them in the same room with that person. Give each of them a glass of water. Now, from our perspective, third party, objectively, the guy from the desert looks like he's getting a lot more out of that than the three-year-old, right? But for each of them, the three-year-old is as thirsty as they've ever been in their entire life. They have never known such thirst. They have never gone 20 minutes with a parched throat. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, Tani, I am three, but I speak Aramaic. Um, you know, something like that. It's desperate for a three-year-old. They don't get it. They wouldn't put it in those terms, but that desperation is there. And the man in the desert, maybe he's got a bit of a camel hump going, you know, maybe he's, you know, dry and parched, but like, oh, thank God. The experiences of two different people often look objectively different to us. Their, their encounters with their faith, if we're gonna continue connecting faith to water look objectively different from the outside. But one of the biggest challenges is to recognize that they are being authentically experienced by each person. That each person, you know, this person may not look like they have any call to authentically experience faith in the same way that this person is authentically experiencing faith. They may look to me like they're two totally different things, but we have to be willing to throw away what our sense of objectivity and to look at these people and say, this person's experience is authentic to them. And this person's experience is authentic to them. Now, person A, they might need to be taught a bit. Like they, there may be a host of things that they got to know in order to roll that faith forward. But where they're at right now is authentic. Just as much as where this person is who studied for 20 decades and is somehow still alive because I'm bad at math, uh, has, you know, experienced their faith. They're both authentically in the same place. Uh, and recognizing that I find is oftentimes the bigger challenge for us because it's so easy to say, yeah, you're not in the right place. Like you say you're thirsty, but you don't look all that thirsty. You know, so it's really easy for us to, to, get, to, to get to that place. You know, you're, not, you're not thirsty enough. And to do it to ourselves, by the way, and, you know, I know you can't see it with the camera positioning, but when I say that, I'm glaring at the bottom picture on my screen, which is you, Dom, who started out by saying, oh, I'm a new Christian, so I don't know how much I have to contribute. This is exactly the sort of thing I'm talking about, you know. You know, everybody's faith is authentic. Everybody's place is legitimate. And there's always something important about that. And damn it, I did the preaching thing again. Yep. And <laughs> so let me take over on that. Please do. So as... Pastor Don is trying to say, 
there's no such thing necessarily as an invalid experience of Christ or of the Holy Spirit. We all will experience the water in some form or another. Being able to see that and travel and visit international churches and see those different perspectives can give us a new appreciation for the water in our lives. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that we are also experiencing the water, whether it's as a downpour or as a steady mist, or whether it's just as an occasional glass here and there. Whether you take a shower or get shot with a hose, you're just as wet. Mm -hmm. So what, what is there left to talk about? You know, we've, we've strayed away from international Christianity, but there, you know, I think we've touched on it a few times. Um, what, do you guys have any questions about stuff that we've talked about? Anything you want to throw at me? Anything you want to throw at each other? Anything you just want to throw? Because sometimes throwing things is very cathartic. seem to remember a picture of one of your children studying a large book of theology with your wife. Funny story about that. That was actually, before I went to seminary, that was actually an educational second language acquisitional theory book. Okay. So that wasn't the Aramaic textbook. Good no, that came later. I think there's a picture of Noah trying to study Hebrew though somewhere. Although, side note, one of my favorite parenting stories was back when we were living at the seminary mm -hmm. and uh, Claire had to be two and a half, maybe three. Mm -hmm. And she'd been hanging out with me all the time. Like, I think she'd even come to a couple of my classes because we couldn't find a babysitter. Um, and um, I'm walking past her room and I, and I look out of the corner of my eyes and I see she just hunched over the little table in her room, scribbling like mad on a paper. And I just kind of stop and I'm like, Claire, what are you doing? Eddie, I'm busy. Okay, but what are you doing? I'm a, uh, I'm extra Jesus. What? Daddy, I'm like you do, I'm extra Jesus. You mean exegesis? Yes! <laughs> you go girl, you are extra Jesus. Well, you know, she's got to have an extra one for when the first one, you know, dies and gets resurrected. And, yeah, and exactly. Is... You got to have a back pocket Jesus for those, you know, uh, you know, hard to miss Golgotha moments. Like, How many Jesuses have we needed today? Uh, about three. <laughs> Reminds me of a, a question that was, was asked by a particularly irreverent Catholic child one time. He said, you know, how many of these little wafers do I have to take before I've had a full Jesus? <laughs> you know, you gotta laugh. Just some part of my uh, extremely tired brain combined that with the Monty Python, Mr. Creosote sketch for a proper faith explosion. Oh Lord, <laughs> now we've gone full circle. Okay, there we but go. I think that is, I think that is a good, uh, note to end on and i know we've talked about this in previous videos before is the importance of laughing at the ridiculousness of, of our faith and having a good sense of humor about who we are and what we believe it doesn't make us any less christian to have a have a laugh at it like you know some of the stuff we believe if you look at it in an objective sense is ridiculous and that's okay 
because what we have, what we, who we are and what we're meant to be isn't meant to be entirely rational. Because I've never been an entire human who was entirely rational. And it's fun to own it and to make cracks. Because I got to tell you, I am pretty sure God has a sense of humor because I exist and I have purple hair and I'm a pastor. Yep. All right, then why don't we go ahead and call this then for tonight? We've, uh, I think, got definitely a bunch of good material. I, I, I really, I can't thank you guys enough for this. It's been a wonderful conversation, even if I was terrible at the whole not shutting up thing. Um, yeah, you kept us on track yeah. for a given value of on track. Well, I, I, I do, I do what I can. We'll have to make sure we get another one of these Japanese episodes in again soon. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, thank you guys so much for for sticking around for this one. Um, for 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 the sake of anyone who is who's still watching to the end of our second episode, this is it for this two-parter episode. Thank you for so much for sticking around. Uh, if you didn't catch us on the tag of the last episode, we are doing a bunch of different things. These episodes that drop every Friday. We've got Psalms from the Trails that drop almost every Thursday, except for like, you know, last week when I got the vaccine, or that was a couple of weeks ago. In any case, most set Thursdays, because, you know, I'm occasionally unreliable. Uh, scriptures and sermons come out on Sundays, Mondays-ish, except on Sundays where I'm equally unreliable because we're doing a bunch of stuff and we're a new community. Sometimes stuff happens. And hey, we're, we're only human. Yeah, we're only human. You know, that is definitely broadly true. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of myself here, of course. Um, but let's see. Uh, the most important thing, though, for all of the things that happen or sometimes don't, the one thing that always happens with this community is our Discord server. Conversations popping off there all the time. We're, we're learning. We're still slowly but surely, uh, much slower than I expected, but we're working through our Bible study on the book of Mark. Uh, with any luck, we may actually make it to the end of chapter one by the time this video airs. So uh, dive in on that if you haven't had a chance yet. We've got a bunch of other stuff going on. Uh, all of this you'll find at the website, links in the description. And most importantly, if you pop in on the Discord server, there is the off chance you'll be able to engage in conversation with these two wonderful gentlemen who, once again, thank you for joining me today. It's been so wonderful to talk with you guys. It's always a pleasure. Definitely a pleasure. Yep. All right. So for the rest of you still watching, thanks again and have a great week. Take care.